Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial Season 4, Episode 9. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. And I'm Laura. We're starting off a little giggly this episode because we just found out the breaking news that Kim Jong-un has, for whatever reason, decided to speak directly with President Trump this spring. And (laughs) I have actual tears in my eyes right now. And I don't know if it's because it's funny or because I'm scared. Yeah. But I can't stop laughing. Elisa's reaction was my favorite, and that was captured live during hashing it out. I'm proud to say. <laughs> so, I well, guess we're we're gonna talk about this more in a few minutes at the top of our news segment. But actually, it's very fitting. This news came on International Women's Day. Happy International Woo! Women's Day to all North Korean women out there who probably don't know that this day exists. Would be my. <laughs> True. I guess. <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay. Um, so in honor of International Women's Day, we wanted to play a quick round of Google that shit. So the prompt, ladies and gentlemen, is why is International Women's Day blank? Um, why is it on March 8th? Okay. Why is International Women's Day not International Men's Day? Mm-hmm. Mm, that's a good one. Wouldn't that's what be surprised I googled this morning. Somebody did that. Well, Elisa, you got the third most popular option. Why is mm-hmm. International Women's Day March eighth? Uh, unfortunately, the two that came before that are why is International Women's Day important, mm. and why is International Women's Day celebrated? <laughs> I would think that both of these would be like pretty obvious. Yeah. No. Unless you live in North Korea. <laughs> oh, geez. No. No. I I was funny. I was going to say, why is International Women's Day a thing? Why does it exist? Yeah. Do we really need it? Yeah. I mean, women are equal now, right? Like, we're in a you post-feminism know. world. That's right. Uh, we that are. McDonald's, right. they flip their M logo over, so now it's a W. And KFC in some foreign market now has a female... Colonel Sanders. Um, there's lots of progress. I, I saw one today that the brawny paper towels people put a woman on their logo for a limited time to celebrate International Women's Day. Hmm. I'm like, oh, yes, in celebration of equality, women can be the spokespeople for brawny paper towels for a limited time. Yes. Now women <laughs> can clean the counters with brawny. They've never done that before, I'll tell you. They've never been cast into that role. What a day for us to be recording. International (laughs) Women's Day, Trump and Kim Jong-un Day. We are recording later than normal this week. So sorry that we're coming to you a little later. We were just in an extended mourning period following the departure of our mats. But, you know, I, I try to be dedicated to this show. We couldn't make it work Monday. Tuesday, couldn't make it work either. Wednesday, couldn't make it work. Thursday was the earliest. But I did have a conflict of interest tonight. My first condo board meeting is tonight. Do you go to those, Laura? No. Oh, okay. Because I feel like that's something you would have said, I can't record Millennial tonight because I have a condo board meeting to attend. No, my condo... Uh, to my knowledge, does not have board meetings. Um, okay. We have HOA meetings, which might be the same thing or a similar thing. Uh, yeah. To my knowledge, there's only been one thus far since I've lived here, and they had it on like a Tuesday morning, so I couldn't have gone if I wanted to. Um, and it was really just to have HOA elections. Mm-hmm. And to be perfectly honest with you, I feel like the only people who would show up to a meeting on Tuesday morning to run to be on the HOA board are the kind of people I have no interest in being around. Right. So, Did you go to your first one, though? I feel like I should have gone to my first one. No, I haven't been to any. All right. 
Okay. Never mind then. Pay your mortgage, pay your HOA dues, <laughs> and you'll be fine. <laughs> you know, I logged into my bank account this morning to see how poor I was, and I noticed that my home loan got automatically added to my account. Did that happen to you? Uh, well, I don't. I didn't get my home loan through my bank. So I didn't no. either. That's but weird. It's still got automatically added. And I I emailed the lender. I was like, "Hey, can I pay through this?" And they were like, "Oh yeah." I was like, "Oh, okay." It, it shows up in my account like it's a credit card. You know, like it shows you the amount too. Yeah, I thought that was super cool. That's cool. No, mine does not do that. Technology. Um. So before we discuss the Oscars and this North Korean news, as promised, I have prepared clips from last week's episode. First of all, we have our new Matt No clips. So we, of course, have the Micah Yes. Yes. And then Matt kind of went off. He went wild. He did a few different no's. I took three of them. And we now have these forever and always. No. No, sir. No. <laughs> <laughs> the last one has to be the one. Those no. Are <laughs> no. Yes. No. And then the the game portion of that segment we did last week, we challenged Matt to throw in a weird comment that we could add before or after Micah's live to tape. And so I went through his audio and I couldn't really find anything that I feel like he didn't really actually try to go out of his way to say something absurd. Hmm. But I did find five clips and... We will let the listeners decide which one will be added to the intro. So here's the first one. It's Matt saying, people are stupid. People are stupid. (laughs) I feel like that's really appropriate for this show, actually. I do, too. And I feel that way about one other. Um, Here's one. Next one. It's a lifestyle. Okay. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Number three. It's kind of a stretch. Meh. I was fishing. I was fishing. Um, number four. It's all a lie. <laughs> That's thought, pretty good, too. I thought that was appropriate. And number five. I still blame myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That, that's my personal favorite. <laughs> Mine, too. I don't like it for the intro, though. No. I, I like people are stupid. People are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, and then Micah can say, Yes. <laughs> And then Matt can go, no. People are stupid. Yes. No. (laughs) Look, it's like they never left. (laughs) So we'll put a poll on Patreon. This is going to be a Patreon exclusive. We'll let the patrons decide which of these five clips will become a part of the millennial introduction. I love it. Talk a little bit about the Oscars. Did you two watch? No, I never watch. Don't care. I did not watch, but I read a lot about it. The Shape of Water won Best Picture. That was Guillermo del Toro's movie. Best Actress went to Frances McDormand for Three Billboards. Gary Oldman won Best Actor for Darkest Hour. Best Director also went to Guillermo del Toro. But Get Out was one of the big surprises of the night. That is Jordan Peele. I haven't seen that movie yet. You haven't? Oh, no. gosh. Didn't Wait, it did win West Best Original Screenplay? Yes. Yes, it did. Uh, I loved Get Out. It was a really good movie. Um, mm. You need to see it, Andrew. I think, I don't know. I feel like most people can get something out of that movie. And it's a very, like, the movie is so layered. So, like, when you go back to watch it a second time, you're going to notice a bunch of stuff that you didn't catch the first time. Hmm. It's good stuff. I also didn't see Shape of Water because I'm just not into sci-fi, but I'm happy that sci-fi won. I think I saw on Twitter that it's the first science fiction film to win Best Picture. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie either, but um, I heard it was not as good as the hype, to be honest. I heard it as the type of movie that critics love and eat up because the cinematography is beautiful, the technical elements are really well done, uh, the script is interesting, the plot moves along, yada, yada. But like as a layman viewer of movies, it's just kind of, okay, that yeah. happened. Yeah. So, whatever. Okay. 
So that was the Oscars. I don't think we have too much else to say about it. Other than that, um, Francis McDormand's Oscar was stolen at one of the parties afterward. And the dude, not only did he steal it, he broadcast himself holding it and running around a party with it. And the video, the video is so bizarre because people are coming up to him and being like, congratulations, what do you win for? And the, the guy was just like, oh, music, music. I won for music. But now... He's been charged with a grand theft felony, <laughs> which is just so epic <laughs> for stealing an Oscar. I love it. Um, so today in After Dark, we're going to be talking about aliens, um, like actual extraterrestrials. It's going to be fun. Awesome. You're going to find out which of the hosts believe that aliens exist, which ones don't, and which ones would get freaky with an alien. <laughs> It's going to be good stuff. This is all coming because uh, in the last couple of months, it was discovered that the Pentagon actually was funding a program for UFO research. So yeah. it's good stuff. We have varying views, so that'll be fun to discuss over on Patreon. Mm-hmm. I can't today. wait to talk about aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I have really strong feelings and a very weird experience. Yeah, it was funny because Andrew reached out today and was like, hey, Laura, can you please plan something for After Dark? Because you haven't done shit this week. Um, and I wrote back. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I, yeah, I didn't do shit this week. Yeah, that was the implication. Thank you for picking yeah. that up. Um, and so I was like, oh, okay. And I'm like kind of Googling around trying to like find some stuff. I stumble on this article. I'm like, wait, is this actually real? Holy shit, this is the New York Times. It is real. Oh, God. And then I was like, how do you guys feel about talking about aliens? And everyone's just like, uh, LOL, okay. Listen, bitch, I watched <laughs> The X-Files, and I'm about it. I thought you were an X-Files fan, too, weren't you? I am. Okay. I am. Not past tense, present tense. Scully on this shit. I know. So let's talk about this breaking news. Kim Jong-un, the leader of North Korea, has invited President Trump to meet for negotiations over its nuclear program. Which is huge news. Apparently, this is going to happen before spring. Trump has already accepted. Trump also has really taunted Kim Jong-un in recent months, calling him Little Rocket Man, uh, downplay- or, uh, sending various threats. A few months ago, we all thought Trump was going to get us blown up by North Korea. And I guess he still can. But this is just shocking news. Um, why is this happening? Why is Kim Jong-un re- reaching out and offering to meet with the president? Because he recognizes a fellow whiny giant man baby when he sees one. I mean, if we had, if we had President Hillary Clinton right now, this would not have happened. Kim Jong-un would not be agreeing to sit down with Hillary Clinton. For the same reasons he wouldn't sit down with Barack Obama. Why? But if that's he can't really Yeah, why why do you think that? And if that is true, Laura, I mean, is that some twisted backhanded argument in favor of having unstable personalities in power? No. I think that much like Donald Trump, Kim Jong un is somebody who cares about the power of influence. Uh, You know, for Kim Jong-un, it's more about strong arming his people and making them believe that he's descended from a deity. Um, So if he can make the American president come to him before disarming North Korea's nuclear arms program, which, by the way, Trump had previously said he would not meet with North Korea until that happened. So now Kim Jong-un has the American president, the most powerful person in the world, coming to his doorstep. I don't think I think from an optics standpoint, it doesn't look great. I think also the stakes are incredibly high. And Donald Trump is the last person that I would want to be sitting down with North Korea in any capacity. So, yeah, we you know, this news just broke within the past hour and we don't know, obviously, full details yet. I would be surprised if the White House even knew full details yet. But what we do know is that they're supposed to be meeting by May, which is not far away, two months, uh, to discuss permanent denuclearization. 
that's big. Permanent? I mean, that's, I don't even know that that's ever been on the table, quite frankly. Every conversation that the United States, South Korea has had with North Korea has all been about temporary denuclearization or just trying to get them to scale back um, their progress. Um, I I don't think, I mean, to, to my knowledge, we've never actually had a serious conversation about permanently denuclearizing them. So that's a pretty big headline in and of itself. But I guess my, my concern is this. North Korea's game is one of brinksmanship. That's been... That's been their chess game, their strategy from day one, is to take everything to literally the brink of war, and then everyone rushes to try and stop that by giving North Korea aid. Sometimes that aid comes in actual money. Sometimes that aid, more often than not, comes in food and technological assistance since they're so far back in the Stone Age. Um but one way or the other, that is their that is their game. Uh, risk war, and then and they realize everyone will want to avoid war so badly that they will give them assistance. So if war becomes off the table, if nuclear armaments become off the table, um, I have to imagine the only way that they're going to agree to that is if they get a huge amount of assistance, because. They're effectively giving up their one and only bargaining chip, right? Yeah. That's their only bargaining chip is the fact that they could be and are nu- a nuclear power. Uh, so if they give that up, I have to imagine they're going to ask the United States for something huge. I don't know what that's going to be, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was military assistance, military equipment, um, a ton of food, uh, lots of money. I just have a feeling that the ask in exchange for this is going to be big. I, I mean, I have no freaking clue. This is, like I said, just breaking news. But just based off of North Korea's history and their pattern here, uh, you don't give up a bargaining chip like this in the international sector and and ask for n- nothing back, or you ask for just something small back. You know, right? Do we actually think they're going to give it up, though? That's my other hesitation. Right is like that this is some sort of power play. I don't know what they would get from doing this and then reneging on it. Uh, I don't know if they're expecting Trump to do something stupid so that they can then, uh, you know, pull this whole thing back just to make yeah. the Americans look stupid on an international stage. I think that's entirely possible. I, I yeah. think so too. I mean, that's that's a good point. If if for some reason the United States, the president of the United States, met with Kim Jong Un, and the whole thing went to shit and just just went down the drain and fell apart, I think that would have a much greater effect of making the United States look bad than North Korea look bad. Because keep in mind, who made the first move here? North Korea. They ex- they're extending an olive branch. They're saying meet with us, not just meet with us, meet with our leader, someone who, as you pointed out, Laura, is supposed to be a deity almost. Um, Meet with our leader. And they're extending an olive branch. Compare that to Trump's isolationism and his refusal to even have discussions up until up until this point. So the narrative, if this were to fall apart, the narrative would easily be North Korea did their due diligence. They extended an olive branch. They tried. The United States clearly does not have its act together. They were not able to negotiate fairly or on terms. And that's why it all fell apart. And all that's going to do is have the effect of bringing North Korea closer to its allies. And who are North Korea's pretty much only two allies? China and Russia. Yep. You have to think, like Laura was saying, this could fall apart so easily, especially when Trump, he is very likely one Fox and Friends slash tweet away from screwing this all up by saying one stupid thing on Twitter that's going to piss him, piss off Kim Jong-un and then Kim Jong-un is going to walk away and then it's going to look embarrassing for America. Yeah, and I mean, very similarly, I touched on this a bit earlier, but... The North Koreans, particularly the North Korean government, of course, they play their own form of the ratings game. Mm. They like 
international attention. So this reminds me kind of of when Lisa Ling and the other journalist whose name I can't remember at the time accidentally, I don't know if it was accidentally, but stumbled into North Korea and were arrested. And the only way we were able to free them was to send Bill Clinton over there. And the North Korean government ate that shit up. They got the former American president to come over and pay attention to them. So they gave us our journalists back. That's always the name of their game. Yeah. Well, it's just like these test strikes, too. They're big cries for attention as well, because then we, we, uh, the world turns mm-hmm. to them. Oh, my God, they just fired a missile over Japan. What's going to happen next? Now, I, yeah, I just, I just, my mind, I just, I can't even wrap my head around this. This is really, I mean, this is legitimately big news. This isn't big news in the sense of, like, the Stormy Daniels scandal, which is, you know, wall-to-wall coverage but not really of substance uh this is legitimately big news and i i I am hoping and praying that that this goes well but i'm very nervous very nervous that it won't i frankly i just i don't i don't trust this administration to handle this with the deftness that it needs to be handled i just hate that it it could potentially be trump who solves this nuclear threat. Like, gosh darn it. Why couldn't it have been an, another president? Any other president except for Trump. This is all, if, if this works out. I mean... This is all we're going to hear about in his 2020 campaign. Yeah, and here's the thing. I really genuinely hope that this will work out in a way that doesn't like make us look stupid or make us overcommit ourselves on what we can do to bring this to a halt. But I'm just not convinced that that's what we're getting here. Well, I wanted to talk about something else that I feel could easily be a hidden from the headline story. I don't know how much attention this is really getting, but um, there's a new really kind of frightening trend happening at the local and state level in the United States right now where local and state elected officials, mostly governors, are refusing to hold special elections to fill seats whenever they fear that their party might lose that election. So I'll get into some specifics in a second, but first I think it's important, especially for any international listeners, to know what is a special election exactly? How does that differ from the normal election cycle? Um, A special election occurs whenever a person leaves their seat voluntarily or retires, for example. So uh, if someone decides, you know, I just don't want to be in the state legislature anymore, I'm going to go have a different job now. Uh, But it's still the middle of their term. They still have like another year left to serve. Then it, it becomes the governor's job to hold a special election to fill that seat since that person left right in the middle of their term. That's what a special election is, and here's why it's proving to be uh, a problem. In Wisconsin, for example, in December, two state congressmen left the Wisconsin legislature to work for Governor Scott Walker. It's been three months since they left to work for Governor Walker, and their seats are still empty meaning that 230,000 Wisconsin residents are living without representation in their own state Congress right now. And the worst part about it is that Governor Scott Walker has announced that he will not be holding special elections for their districts. Instead, he's going to let those seats go unfilled and will only fill them once the normal election cycle resumes in November. But that's almost a full year from the time that they left office. That's a full year that hundreds of thousands of Wisconsin citizens will go without representation. And it's not hard to understand why. The folks that left their seats um, to work for Scott Walker, uh, it's, it's well understood that they are at risk of going to Democrats. Um, and And that's... That's obviously a problem. This this whole idea that we're only going to hold elections if we think our party is going to win is insane. That's crazy. And again, obviously, there will be an election for these seats. But a year later? I mean, is this not the very – I mean, 
not to not to be coy about this, but is this not kind of in, in some tangential expanded way the reason we had the revolution? This is like taxation without representation, is it not? These hundreds of thousands of citizens don't have representation in their own state legislature. For what it's worth, if you're a Wisconsin resident, the districts in question are Assembly District 42, representing Columbus, Fox Lake, Lodi, and Walpon. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. As well as Senate District 1, representing Brown, Door, Kiwani, and Calumet counties. So if you live in or near those places, I would be questioning your governor. What the heck are you doing? But this isn't the only place it's happening. Also in Michigan, Governor Snyder is likewise refusing to hold an election for the seat that Congressman John Conyers left open when he retired in December. This district represents Detroit, a city comprised primarily of people of color and leans heavily towards Democrats. Governor Snyder is a Republican. He intends to let Detroit residents go without representation until November, again leaving hundreds of thousands without a voice for nearly a year. In Florida, Governor Rick Scott could hold special elections for two open state legislature seats, but has also said that he will not do so, once again saying he will that these, these seats will not be filled until November. In these and in other states, state legislatures are taking up bills that would allow their governors to simply appoint replacements whenever someone leaves office. So this is a somewhat, it's related, but a somewhat separate issue. Um, now, if that appointee, that appointee rather, would still be subject to the normal election cycle. But again, in the meantime, in the meantime, before the normal election cycle resumed, if these state bills were to pass, the governor could simply appoint whomever they wanted to fill that seat. Um, I'll let you guys guess what party they would choose. Um, this is a growing widespread refusal to hold special elections and it's evolving into a growing widespread trend to allow governors to simply appoint people, uh, instead of holding special elections. And it's no coincidence, in my opinion, that this is being done by Republican governors in a year when Democrats have flipped 39 state legislature seats so far. We're seeing this Democratic wave and we're seeing Republican governors being the ones refusing to hold special elections. I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, so I just wanted to, yeah, I just want to bring this to everyone's attention and talk about it. I think this is really important and a little scary. I feel like this is the new gerrymandering. I feel like they're seeing that the tides are turning on that and feeling like they need to come up with another way to control who gets those seats. Um, it certainly doesn't surprise me to hear that Prick Scott is uh, one of those people. <laughs> He's an asshole. Well, and especially considering everything that, that is going on in Florida right now, they definitely don't want to give Democrats a chance to get at those seats. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess, Elisa, my question is, for everyone listening at home, what does this mean for the people who don't have representation right now? In what way are are they being limited by not having that? I mean, does that mean that any kind of legislation that might impact them one way or another is halted? Nothing's happening for them? Well, I think, I think first and foremost, it means that their opinions are not being taken into account in their own state and local legislatures. So their voices simply aren't being heard. The second thing though, is that a lot of state and, and local elected officials, you know, help their constituents out with personal problems that they may be, <clears throat> excuse me, that they may be having, you know, they perform, you know, certain constituent services and they say, oh, okay, you are a college bound student from my district. Let me help you uh, find some scholarships that you might be eligible for. Or, okay, you're someone who's having trouble affording uh, food on a regular basis. Let me help you fill out this application for food stamps. Um, that's something that state and local elected officials help their constituents with. And that's something that because these constituents are going unrepresented, that's help that they're not getting. That's big. That's important. And I'd also point out that if this trend of 
allowing governors to simply appoint replacements instead of holding special elections, if that trend comes to fruition, that really kind of allows governors to stack the deck in their own favor. So if there's a bill that a governor wants to pass and the legislature isn't um, isn't favorable to that bill, they could simply, you know, invite people to work for their administration. Now a bunch of seats are open and then fill those seats with whoever they want. And sometimes it doesn't take much. You know, sometimes if there's a state legislature that's really split and um, it's it's close, like 50-50 Republican Democrat, it only takes three people or however many people to leave and then be appointed for you to be able to push your agenda through. So I think this is dangerous. I just I think this is a dangerous precedent. And I want to be clear also that while this is happening, uh, or rather while this is being done primarily by Republican governors and Republican uh, state um, legislatures, this would be this would be wrong regardless of party and um this is because it's just undemocratic this is on this is on sheer principle it's undemocratic it, it, with a small d and i don't know i just think it's something we really need to keep our eyes on because if this gets if this goes any further um i don't know I don't know. It, it's it'll just, just get worse and worse. Yeah, it's going to snowball with the Supreme right. Court. Uh, blah, with the Supreme Court, when Scalia's seat was open, and and McConnell was kind of holding it hostage. He wasn't. He right. wasn't. You know. So, Elisa, what can people do? Well, I think if I mean, these are the the three best examples I am aware of personally: um, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Florida. I mean, if if I lived in those states, I would be I would be calling and writing my governor and saying, "Why aren't you holding an election?" Um, they would tell you, according to like the news reports I've been reading, um, their argument for not holding special elections is that special elections cost money, and it's just not worth it to hold a special election when there is one a normal election, quote right around the corner in November. Um, but I think that that's nonsense. I think a lot of people would say that's nonsense. Almost a full year of not having representation is worth whatever cost may be associated. Uh, this is this is a republic, folks. This is a republic, and, and and that we have to be active in that republic. We can't just say, "Oh, we're gonna," you know, "this sucks." Can't believe this guy's doing that, and then go about our day. I mean, I would say that. If I lived in one of these states, you know, I would I would be speaking out to my to my governor on a regular basis. I mean, write write your newspapers, write your newspapers and say, you know, I this is happening. We all know this is happening. I would appreciate a public response from the governor on this. Also, if you could find something that your governor has spent an absurd amount of money on and use that to be like cool, so we can't have a special election, but you spent how much money trying to get gun manufacturers to come here? I'm sure that's true of Rick Scott, because they already have a couple of gun manufacturers who moved to Florida, but I think something like that would be helpful. I would also point out the Texas primary earlier this week. Um, Mm -hmm. It was reported that there's nearly twice as many Democrats that turned out. So they are seeing these waves of blue come out and they're they're worried. They're looking death <laughs> right in the eyes kind of uh in in this Trump world. All right. So um I wanted to talk about a story that I know Elisa I think in particular is going to hate because she's had a lot of ghost experiences. Um oh, it's kind of a tech story. We've spoken before about Amazon's Alexa and I know you two really don't like it. I, on the other hand, love it. I have her listening to me all day, every day. She knows every little piece of information about me that I speak out loud. I enjoy using it to control my home. I enjoy asking it for the weather, calling an Uber, stuff like that. Well, Alexa has been in the headlines this week 
because customers have been reporting that their Echo will mysteriously just laugh without a cue, without a prompt. Oh, God, no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> Fuck. So- of course, that. people have been very scared by this. This has not personally happened to me, but I have since asked my Echo to laugh so I can so I can know what it sounds like. And it is creepy, and I can only imagine if it came to life. It was so bad that people thought that people had snuck into their homes. But it was just Alexa giggling. Um, Amazon has acknowledged that there is a problem. They came to realize... Um, that it people have maybe may have been inadvertently triggering the phrase Alexa laugh because like sometimes you'll say Alexa and or sometimes you won't say Alexa but it thinks you said Alexa so Amazon thinks that people it, the echoes have been thinking that people are saying Alexa laugh so to solve this they are making it harder to make Alexa laugh you have to say Alexa can you laugh yeah this is like. Okay, this is like Chucky, but without the doll. I'm being serious. Fuck the doll that. is the echo. But I found out something from my boyfriend a few weeks ago, from my creepy boyfriend a few weeks ago, that has made me rethink this whole Alexa thing. Um, so he was in the app for, for the app on the phone for some reason, looking at like the history. You can see all your commands which I've been aware of. You can see what you've said to your Echo. But you can also listen to recordings of you saying those commands to your Echo. And even creepier, if you have a family account, like I share Prime with my mom, so our accounts, while separate, are technically associated. I can listen to my mom and dad summon their Echoes. (laughs) I can listen to clips of them. And that creeps me out so much. I do not like that Amazon is keeping audio files of me talking to Alexa up in the cloud. That shit should be deleted as soon as Alexa is finished handling your request. They should not hang around online. You should not be able to access them. Yeah, Yeah, that is really weird. Oh, It is weird, but given your panic, Andrew, I'm wondering what some of these commands were. (laughs) Nothing. I just find it creepy to be able to listen to my own voice through the Amazon app when I had no idea that it was holding on to these recordings. And I think if this story got spread on media sites, I think it would kind of go viral because I, it kind of does feel like an invasion of privacy. And for the record, I did not look at my parents' echo. Uh, my boyfriend looked at his because he's weird like that. But I don't look at it because I don't want to know what they're saying to echo. Mm-hmm. Echo, order condoms. Echo, order lube. Echo, order anal bleach. Like, I don't want to know what they're saying to the thing. Uh, those, well, now I know what you're saying. I was going to gonna say, those sound like your commands. <laughs> Except for the condoms part. You would not do that. Except for the condoms part. Yeah. Anyway, that's what's going on with Echo. I still love it. I think it's uh, a blast. This- yeah, that's a hard fucking pass. <laughs> I have experience in my life of shit talking and laughing and shit when it's not supposed to. And uh, I'm not going back. (laughs) This reminds me of kind of a creepy experience I had recently with my home alarm system. Yeah. So like it's happened like three times over the last couple of months um, where I would like be in my bathroom getting ready to go out at night. Right. And all of a sudden I would hear the alarm make a sound, and then the voice would come on and say, glass break detected in the hallway, like a window being broken. And every single time it's happened, I've gotten freaked out and like run and checked all the windows and checked to make sure all the doors are locked and and nothing. There's nothing going on. And I was like, holy shit, my house is haunted. That must be it. Well, I discovered the other day that it happened again when I close the lid to the toilet except i dropped the lid like i didn't close it lightly so i just like let it flop down and it happened right after i did that and so i did some testing and i discovered that's what's been tripping it off i've been freaked out for two months over that closing the (laughs) fucking toilet oh man 
Okay, so I just brought up the damn Alexa app, and right before my can you laugh request, I see a Pandora station request for my parents' echo. And here, I'm going to play it. We're going to listen to my mom. Play Justin Timberlake Radio. (laughs) (laughs) I just spied on my mom. She just queued up Justin Timberlake Radio with Alexa. God. I mean, that is kind of the same thing as ordering lube so <laughs> yeah, i know right can't say i'm gonna ask blamer. my mom later why were you listening to justin timberlake how do you know that i was trying to get in the mood andrew oh god i'm looking at the last one can you play spa radio what the fuck kind of music do they want to hear can you play spa radio spa radio mom why you're in the kitchen <laughs> oh she's not in the kitchen andrew <laughs> I like how she asks, like, like it's a human. Can you play spa radio? <laughs> okay, enough of that. Uh, yeah, well, this is far less fun. I kind of, <laughs> God, I don't even want to talk about this now. This is, like, fucking downer. Um, so, recently, uh, the state of Kentucky was uh, considering a bill to ban child marriages. It was referred to as the Child Bride Bill. Um, otherwise known as Senate Bill 48. Now, the inspiration for this bill came from Donna Pollard, who says that she was married off to a 29-year-old man when she herself was only 16. This man began abusing her um, uh, when she was only 14. And then two years later, her parents started to pressure her into just marrying him since they clearly were in a a relationship anyway. Mm. And, of course, at 16, living at home, uh, not feeling like she had any choice, uh, she reluctantly went along with it. But eff- effectively, her parents married her off. Um, she's since divorced, but describes years of abuse. And clearly, um, sh- she should not have been married off, period, no matter what her age. But particularly at 16, this was a, a heinous story. And unfortunately, this she's not alone. Uh, this is something that happens... More often than we care to to talk about in this country, um, I don't have exact numbers in front of me, but I do know that the states that it's most common in are, are Texas, Kentucky, uh, a couple of others like Mississippi, um, but others that you might not guess like Wyoming. Um, this is all popular um, in those states. I shouldn't say popular. It's all possible in those states. Um, but this bill... Bill 48 would make that illegal. It would essentially say that in Kentucky, you have to be 18 years old to marry anybody. Uh, And if you're under 18, if you're between the ages of 16 and 18, you have to have a federal or you have to have a judge um, allow you to do that. And you have to go before the judge yourself so that he or she can determine it's something that you really want and that you're not being forced into it or coerced into it by parents. Uh, sadly, this bill, which should really be a no-brainer, was blocked for about a week by none other than, you guessed it, the Kentucky Family Foundation. Because, of course, it's a family foundation. They love families so much, they just want everyone to start one when they're 10. The Kentucky Family Foundation argued that this was, that this bill took away parental rights and that was once again big government trying to tell parents how they should and should not raise their children. Needless to say, even in, even uh, for Kentucky's conservatives, this argument did not go over very well. And so thankfully, just yesterday, the bill did pass the Kentucky Senate, but it still has a ways to go. It needs to pass the Kentucky House and still needs to be signed into law. So we'll have to see if this actually becomes law. But for now, it has passed this hurdle. Uh, I do want to point out, though, that there are a couple of folks who were still against it, even even as recently as yesterday. Um, Senator Dan Sum, S-E-U-M, I don't know how to pronounce that. He's a Louisville state Republican um, for the state legislature, and he was one of the three people to vote no on this bill. He objected, saying that it would prevent teenage girls who are pregnant from getting married. He said, quote, I as a parent couldn't let my 16, my pregnant 16-year-old daughter marry the guy that loves her. 
couldn't let her give the baby a name? That's wrong, he said. Um, <laughs> what? We'll, we'll, we'll dig what into that in a second. About? The, bottom line, <laughs> the bottom line is, though, thankfully, he was one of only three people to vote against the bill. Um, and so it has passed um, the Kentucky State Legislature for now. So we'll we'll keep an eye on it, see if it actually becomes law. But the fact that there was so much objection to this uh, is troubling. I would like to venture a guess that there is a correlation between being uh, between objecting to this bill and also objecting to guns being on school property. Just a guess. And also a correlation to the age of girls you have sexted over the years. You mean like underage girls? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that tends to be their in their wheelhouse, that's for sure. Well, this is sad and uh pretty stunning, but that's Kentucky for you. <laughs> I don't even think yeah. it's just Kentucky. I mean, from what Elisa said, it's several states. And I find it so appalling that in the United States we will look at other countries that have child bride traditions and sort of thumb our noses at them and look at them as though they're these uncivilized backwaters. We're fucking doing it here too. Yeah. And think, I mean, I just, honestly, I was surprised that this had opposition to that degree. The fact that the fact that this was held up for over a week. And frankly, I think the only reason that, uh, it ended up passing at all was because it got so much media attention. Uh, the Kentucky Family Foundation was eviscerated on social media. Uh, they have since said that they now support the bill because it has been amended to allow parents to attend uh, a court hearing. So let's say, for example, you have a 16-year-old daughter. She does want to marry um, her boyfriend. Um which, by the way, the law states that now under this law, if it does actually get signed into law, you can marry as young as 16, but the person you're marrying has to be within four years of your age, so no older than 20. Um, and again, you have to go before a judge. A parent can't just let you do it. You have to go before a judge to do it. But anyway, Kentucky Family Foundation says they now support the bill only because it allows parents to speak at those judge hearings. So even though parents no longer get to decide and marry off their kids, at least they get to have their say in court should they want to. So that's what they say brought them around to it. In actuality, my guess is they just got shit on real hard and they decided to to lay low. I want to talk to any elected officials who were initially against this and then changed their minds. I want to be like, what? What part of this made you change your mind? When did you realize that child marriages aren't like a great uh, cornerstone of American democracy? Just curious. My views have evolved on the matter. As I have aged, I want the children to age as well before they can marry. Yeah. It's time now for Surprise Bitch. Let's call Rebecca in Oklahoma City. See what she has to say about today's shocking news. About ring internet. that tone while your party is reached. Oh. Ooh. Oh, right. Oh, very nice. Some Vivaldi. Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. Six. Can all our listeners please have ringback tones? Let's try Ashley. No ringback. I already don't like her. Hello. Hi, Ashley. Hello. Hi. Uh, Surprise. Friends from uh, the local Salt Lake City. Uh, Bureau of International Women. We're just calling to wish you a happy International Women's Day. Oh, thank you. 
Surprise, uh, this is Millennial, actually. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Hello. Uh, How are you? What are you up to tonight? I'm actually at work right now. (laughs) Sorry, do you have But I did remember I saw an email... And I remembered you were recording, and it popped up with no caller ID. And last time you called me, I missed my chance. Oh, so finally, no. I picked up. <laughs> Redemption night. How appropriate for International Women's Day. Yeah, I think Bob Marley yeah. wrote a song about that. I was kind of surprised that Utah was calling me for International Women's Day, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Bureau is. Yeah, I live, in, I live in Portland now. Oh, okay. How you like in Portland? I love it here. It's so much better than Salt Lake. <laughs> tell, tell us what you like about it for anybody who may be looking for a new place to move to. Well, there are food carts absolutely everywhere. And, hmm. oh, there's this place called Powell City of Books that has like a million books in it. It's amazing. And <laughs> very well aware of Powell's. In Portland, that is mm-hmm. where I met my husband, Bruce Springsteen, and told him I that he means everything to me. Aww. If if you take a blacklight <laughs> up to the top floor to the meeting space, you'll find remnants. Oh God! I'm from Canada originally, and I think the vibes in Portland kind of remind me of Canada. Yeah, yeah. Probably because people are friendly. Yeah, totally. I do notice that a lot. But Salt Lake is also, it's got, it's got great things going for it, too. <laughs> Are you a Mormon? No, I'm not. <laughs> so were you happy to get away from all the Mormons? Jesus. Yeah, it's kind of, I don't know, after a while with the female oppression and, you know, it's, it gets to you. And also the liquor store is closing early and blah. Yeah. Glad to be out of there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Portland, they're so chill and hipster. Yeah. Actually, Salt Lake is pretty hipster, too, but Portland definitely on another level. Oh, interesting. We'll let you get back to work. Thanks for uh, answering. Thanks for your support. Yeah. I've actually been listening to you guys since the very beginning. So since I was in middle school, now I graduated college. So. Oh, awesome. Hope that makes Aww. you feel old. <laughs> Thank great. you for sticking with us so long. We can be kind of annoying sometimes. Yeah, I can't believe after so long, this is the first time I'm talking to you. It's really exciting. (laughs) Well, thanks again, and uh, have a good night up there in the Northwest. All right, you guys, too. All right. Thanks for your support. You, too. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Patreon, it's time now for a P-Choice. Zach submitted two, and nobody else did, so we're just going to read Greedy, greedy Zach. (laughs) He wanted to know our most anticipated 2018 movie slash the most dreaded movie release of the year. I'm really excited for Infinity War. Yeah? Mm-hmm. It looks so good. You've seen the trailers, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I'm just hoping somebody finally dies because they never kill anybody in these Avengers movies. And it's time to make some big news. I've heard some theories. Okay. That that might happen good in this one so how about you elisa uh i am googling what's coming out this year so <laughs> well i actually i thanks to black panther i'm more interested in avengers infinity war i'm very eager to see how they including shuri is that how you pronounce her name mm-hmm. is involved because there was actually a new still today of her talking with established um Avengers characters, and I just can't wait to see them all in one place. Plus, you got the Guardians of the Galaxy in this one as well, so that'll be Mm -hmm. cool. I will say this is kind of a smaller project, but Hello, Simon comes out in actually a week. This is based on the book called Simon and the Homo Sapiens Agenda. It's a gay coming-of-age story. What's significant about it is that it's done by Fox, and this is getting a wide release, And it's arguably the first major gay movie getting released in Hollywood. I guess you could say maybe like Brokeback Mountain. But this one, this one just feels like a a bigger, more explicit, like this is a gay movie. (laughs) 
um, being promoted by Fox. And like I said, it's wide. So it's a big deal. And the book was great. I read it a couple of years ago. Um, and I'm looking forward to supporting it because I'm trying to encourage Hollywood to release more films about gay characters and to do it in a big way. So, hello, Simon. That's out next week. Interesting. Glad yeah. To see that. Mm-hmm. Speaking of movies that I'm kind of dreading, um, A Wrinkle in Time comes out tomorrow. And I don't have good feelings about it. <laughs> yeah, the reviews aren't no. good. It's at 44% on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes. Well, I know, I know I, Andrew, I think it was you that had mentioned that um, they weren't allowing reviews to be published until very last minute, which yeah. is never a good sign. Yeah, they only came out on Wednesday. And the movie, like Laura said, comes out Friday. So that was, that was bad. Love Simon, by the way, has an eighty nine percent. So it's a big gay movie and a good one as well. Yeah, the trailers looked really funny. Yeah, yeah. On a Wrinkle in Time, I am really disappointed in that because I have to say I credit Wrinkle in Time with getting me into the fantasy genre oh. before Harry Potter. Um, really, even before Lord of the Rings, I read The Hobbit. Didn't really like The Hobbit, from being honest with you guys. Uh, then I read Wrinkle in Time in the sixth grade and fell in love. And I mean, I read it probably 20 times. I carried it around school with me. I would read it in between classes. I fucking loved it. So I am really, I I might not even see it to be honest with you because I'm nervous that's going to butcher it. Yeah. Yeah. That's my fear as well. Um, but the question most, what is our most anticipated movie of 2018 and the most dreaded movie of 2018. Uh, I think for me, they're one and the same. What I am anticipating and simultaneously dreading the most is probably the next Fantastic Beast movie. Yeah. I think I'm mixed there too, because if it's bad, I'm not going to be looking forward to the next three movies <laughs> after that. I'm not worried f- that movie is going to be bad. I'm just, there's so much disappointment <laughs> surrounding this movie because of how tone deaf jk rowling and david yates are being yeah yep yeah i agree and i yeah that that's that's uh, really disappointing i just also to be honest with you the controversy around johnny depp's um um behavior and abuse aside even that aside which is important but i really didn't think that he would is a I don't think he's a great Grindelwald. No, I don't either. I don't think he fits the bill in any way, and it's just not what I imagined. I know it's not what a lot of Potter fans imagined for Grindelwald. Um, I mean, at least you know Jude Law. I can kind of see him as a young Dumbledore. Um, his performance will make or break that, but at least you know there's there's room there for him to grow into that role. But I never thought Johnny Depp was a good choice from Grindelwald. I always felt like it was sort of casting based off of of, of a name more than off of a fit. Oh, so totally. For this, and then of course it turns out the name is terrible, and <laughs> it's, so it's a lose lose. Right. I'm mean, I'm just nervous about it because I think the first Fantastic Beast was wonderful. I loved it. Oh. I was surprised myself that I liked it because, as you guys know, I shit all over universe expansions, but I thought it was really good. And I'm worried that this is going to upend all of that. Yeah. Yeah. To your point about Johnny Depp, Lisa, I think he was purely cast for name recognition because of his reveal in the first movie because the way that they revealed that character wouldn't have had the same, I guess, effect or impact if it was an actor you'd never heard of. Yeah. Right. Like so much of that was, Oh shit, it's Johnny Depp. That, that was it. Yeah. I think it was a box office move, nothing else. And like Elisa said, I, he's not checking any of the boxes for me. As Grindelwald. So, well, and I guess it'll be interesting to see how much screen time he actually has in these later films. Obviously, he he becomes uh, more, he becomes more and more important as that Dumbledore and Grindelwald fight gets closer. 
We'll see. I will. Um, Zach's other question is, what's going to be the drink of the summer this year? I'm 21 and ready. Hashtag Rip Citrus Rattler, which is that Coors Light Citrus Rattler that I, I it was originally called Coors Light Summer. Then it was called Coors Light Citrus Rattler to be like sexier. And then they canceled it the third year. And I was so upset. And now Zach's turning 21. What light summer drinks do you two like? Oh, I love like gin and tonic. Yeah. Laura, you know what I, where it's at. I bought one of those. Um, God, I'm forgetting the name of the pack itself, but it comes with Hogarden, Stella, and that one you like, LFA? Lef? Lef. Lef. You like that one, <laughs> LFA. Right? Yeah, I love Lef. You're stuff. laughing it's at a- my Lefe? Yeah, I'm laughing at your Lefe. It's a really good Belgian uh, ale. It's quite good. That's the theme. It's like a Belgian box because they're all by the same mm-hmm. company. Um, I think of you every time I see those because you introduced me to those. Yeah, and also because one time when you were talking about the pronunciation of Hogarden, you were like, it's Hogarden. Like, Laura is a Hogarden. <laughs> But some people, and I was actually telling my boyfriend this other day, some people say it's Who Garden. I, so I never know what to do, what, how to pronounce it. Who, ho, whatever. Who, like Elisa, who? Ho, like Laura, ho. Uh-huh. It figures that you would call me a ho. Just figures. You know, from like literally a decade ago, my iPhone still has you, has your nickname in my address book as ho. Yeah, yeah, it was like a joke, and it's always been in there. I don't even remember how that started. I still have you in my phone as Andrew Simsy Sims. <laughs> I still have Andrew's um, um, his picture, his contact picture is still the Apple icon. Oh no, <laughs> get rid of that! <laughs> I I did that way back in the day when when you were obsessed with Apple and I was like all right fucking fanboy and I just <laughs> you know it made sense but you know it's doesn't it feels a little outdated now now I need it to be a picture of like poop falling out of a pant leg <laughs> wow okay um anyway well oh um Elise do you have a summer drink you like um wine really good answer just wine in general i'm i god there's not like a there's not okay first of all long island iced tea all the way i'm a huge long island iced tea fan so if you're just turning 21 and you like really just want to like go hard i recommend that i don't recommend having more than one uh without putting some space in between but they're fucking delicious and they will get you fucked up yeah uh, other than that, I love wine. Okay. It just makes me feel cozy. It just makes me feel good. Mm. All right. That does it for this week's episode. Thank you to everybody for listening. And thank you to those of us who support us over at Patreon. Thanks, everybody who's listening live right now. Katie, JY, Yeshi, who I believe it's her first night listening. So welcome. Kaylee, Megan, Angel, Anthony. Happy to have you all here. Um, it's always fun. Oh, and Zach's here too. <laughs> Zach, you greedy shit. <laughs> Don't be mean to Zach. No, I love Zach. And but. uh Victor as well, who's actually chiming in about Fantastic Beasts. He said it was okay, but nothing special, pretty forgettable. I barely remember it, and I haven't seen any of the sequels. I certainly didn't expect it to have turned into the franchise that it did. Wait a second. He's talking about <laughs> pirates. Never mind. Oh <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, you've seen a lot of movies. I was like, wait, there have been no sequels yet. Working on the fly here. Working on the fly. Live podcasting, (laughs) folks. Live to tape, as Micah says. Speaking of the intro, don't forget to vote in the poll, patrons. There's a host of other benefits over at Patreon. And uh, like this week's After Dark. Yes. Yeah. Andrew and I can pull up our uh, iPhone 10s and send each other the alien emoji. An emoji. An emoji. Excuse me. Oh, my God. I used the wrong nomenclature. Steve Jobs is going to curse me. Um, and we can just, we can send those back and forth to each other and exclude Elisa. Perfect. So cool. <laughs> cool. So I won't be on 
next week because my fam is going to be here and I'm going to be too busy stressing out about entertaining them. So it's going to be a Laura and Elisa show. If you all have any questions for them, maybe about me or Matt, maybe about themselves, about periods, about yeah. other ladies' things. Periods, definitely. What should they email you to about? Anything and everything. Life advice, because we are savants of wisdom. No, we're not. <laughs> um, I think you are. Only ask about that if you want to get bad advice. We'll do that. Also, I f- we can edit this out. This is not true. Also, I think um, at some point, uh, not in the episode itself, but probably for an After Dark or some Patreon-only content, we're going to bring our boyfriends on. And so feel free to ask us questions about, um, you know, again, relationship advice. We're, we're fucking great at this. Are like, we? Uh, shh, shh, shh. This is, yes. I, yes. Actually, mine's sitting next to me right now. I'm going to ask him, Mark. Are Elisa and I good at relationships? He's staring blankly. <laughs> so that's a yes. <laughs> I like the intimate shows with just you two. Two best friends just shooting the shit. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll spend some time talking about Andrew. So actually, what I in, in seriousness, what I recommend, if you have questions for us. Ask us about Andrew, because this is our time to shine. Oh, Jesus. This is when we can really tell you, um, who you know, the, the real Andrew. Who is what Andrew? Are, who are real... <laughs> yeah. I, I, we have some stories. We have some tales. Yeah, we do. And uh, I guess it's a good time to break it to you two now. I don't plan on editing next week's episode, so... You two are in control of what actually airs. So That's true. Uh, you know, the, the fun part is I don't plan on editing it either. So it's <laughs> it's going to be truly live to tape. Uh, in all seriousness, I will happily get it online. But you edit it. But Laura. don't fuck it up. I'm not <laughs> don't fuck it up, yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. It's time now for us to do After Dark. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. And I'm Laura. Goodbye. Goodbye.